Nobody in my family is a Christian. I'm sorry about that. Have you tried talking to them? Yeah, I was going to tell my sister about Jesus one time, and she was downstairs using the computer. So I went down and I was going to tell her about Jesus, but all that came out was, can I use the computer? I have a Bible verse about that. Would you like me to go get it? Yeah, that'd be a great help. Adrian! Did you hear that Kevin just wrecked his brand new Honda? No! Oh man, he had it coming! I knew this was gonna happen! He so deserved it. He is a terrible driver. He is awful! I think it's a bunch of when he bought that car. All he did was talk about that car all the time. It was ridiculous. I'm glad. I hear you on that one, uh huh? Well, anyway, I have that Bible verse for you 2 Timothy 4 2. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Okay. Amen. Hey, as you guys can see, it's already written up there. That's how efficient we're getting now. The book of James. Open your Bibles to James chapter 1. one huh? Anybody decided where we're going to celebrate and party, Lord willing, if we ever get to chapter 2? That's right. I know. You don't have to come up with the answer now. We've got a lot of ground to cover. But I think that's going to celebrate somewhere. Uh, and it's not going to be at KFC down the road, which again, as I told the Wednesday night study, is I kill some time as you turn there. Uh, anybody notice again the new building right next to KFC? Las Vegas Pain Institute Urgent Medical Center. That ain't by chance. That writes itself. Thank you. I didn't even have to make that up. That's reality. Uh, but anyway, that's right. James chapter 1. Let's take a look at what's going on uh, in our context today. We're dealing with the issue of temptation. Finished up trials. Now we're in the issue of temptation. Let's take a look. Uh, when he says there, uh, grab the context of verse 13. He says this. Now when tempted, no one should say what? Don't ever let that come out of your mouth. God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his what? His own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, it gives birth to pleasure and wonderful living. And that's what the devil says. What God say? No, it's going to produce death. And I love this. He says, don't be deceived. Okay, my dear brothers, okay? And what we're again seeing in the book of James is the whole purpose of the book is it is an acid test, okay? Satan has an evil plan. This is the first book that was written, as far as we can understand, uh, to the early church. They're finally getting out in the world. Satan wants to fill the church with flooded, fake believers so that when they go out in the world, they give a fake gospel and a fake representation of Jesus. So James writes this letter. It becomes an acid test to keep the church pure, okay? To weed the chaff if you will, out, so that they can get a true representation of Jesus when they're out in the world, the church, okay, from the church, as well as the true gospel. And so he starts laying out some tests, okay? And the first test we saw 
was the issue of trials. How do you handle trials, okay? And what he clearly said there, as we saw for many weeks, is listen, that if you truly walk away from Jesus Christ after professing to know him as your savior, and you literally walk away, become an atheist or agnostic, or you go into some cult or whatever, uh, the Bible says you were never saved in the first place. The trial, God, nobody fools God. He, the trial brought that reality to uh, surface. You walked away. God keeps his own. You come to Jesus, praise God is forever, amen? Okay, and the good news he saw for the Christian was, hey, listen, even though we're going to go through trials too as a Christian, the good news is we cannot just have joy, but a continual joy if you just do what God said to do in that text, okay? And because remember, what's the purpose? We're going out into the world to be a positive witness or commercial for Jesus, okay? Uh, and so that is not just for us. Now, the second acid test we've been starting to deal with is the issue of temptation. How do you handle trials? Is the first clue. Is somebody really saved? Because again... Just going to a church service doesn't make you saved, right? Okay, you need to be born again. How do you handle trials? But now, how do you handle temptation? Okay, and this is what we've uh, been seeing. Uh, uh, James says this, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. As we saw last week, the key phrase there is no one, literally uh, may dice in the Greek, it means nobody, no one, nothing. In essence, let nobody on earth, how in the world could this ever even think of coming out of your mouth, say that God is tempting me? Now, we blame others anyway, and that's the whole issue that's going on here. We blame other people for our sin, period. That's happened since the fall of mankind. The first sin after the first sin was blame, okay? But he says here specifically, not only don't blame your sin on other people, but certainly don't get to the point where you're so stinking irreverent that you're now going to blame God. As we saw last week, that's exactly what's happening today, isn't it? And I just picked the one issue with the issue of homosexuality. What are people saying today? God, what? Made me that way. So really, what, who are they blaming that on? God. And then when the church caves into that and doesn't take a stand on that, what's the church doing? The church is now saying, yeah, God's, he's the author of sin. As we saw, are you, excuse me? The scripture says God is holy. He is holy. He is holy. Don't you ever say that. There is no sin, no evil, no darkness, not even a shadow in God. How dare you sit there and say that God uh, 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 is involved in sin or the author of sin. That's blasphemy the scripture talks about. And we saw that last time. He does not delight in sin. He doesn't tempt somebody to sin. Because if God tempted somebody to sin, that means he takes pleasure in somebody sinning and that would go against his holy character. And so that's why James says emphatically, let nobody do this. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's bad enough you blame other people for your sin. But don't ever even think about getting to the point where you actually now accuse God of your sin. Why? Well, could it be that this is another acid test? I mean, how many guys just wake up every day and go, I can't wait to blame another sin on God. <laughs> Praise God, nobody raised their hand. But hey, you better slap that down. Okay, but anyway, uh, no, right? Why? Because as a true born again Christian, would you even think of doing that? No, we saw Christians, we can get involved in sin, right? Unfortunately. So I, I don't know the heart, but, but could this be another indicator? Like, listen, if you literally sit there and take no responsibility for your sin, and now you're getting to the point where you're blaming God for your sin, and you could give a rip about sin, Something's wrong here. When you're a born-again Christian, you're concerned about sin. It bugs you. You're convicted. You want to turn away from it. So if you're complacent and you actually will blame God, are you really saved? I don't know. You know my point is, hey, listen, I don't know the heart. Don't go there. How about just don't go there? Okay, uh, is the point. Now he gets to where, very emphatic, that was the two things. Don't blame others. Certainly don't blame God. Excuse me? Now he gets very emphatic about where sin comes from. Okay? He doesn't just say, don't blame other people, don't, in, uh, in essence, and don't blame God. He says, now you need to understand where it comes from. 
And that's what he says there. He says, but each person is tempted when they, who? They are dragged away by, keyword, their own evil desire and is enticed. The Greek says, but each one is being solicited to sin when he is taken in tow and enticed by his own uh, craving. Okay? And so James leaves no doubt where in the world this propensity to sin comes from. It is each person's own what? Evil desires. It's not your neighbor. It's not, you know, somebody else. It's not society. It's not your parents. It's not the way you're raised. It's not this. And it certainly isn't God. Hello. He says it's your own evil desires. So in other words, if you want to blame somebody, blame yourself. You know, it reminds you of the, the classic saying that says, uh, the one I think it was a cartoon, it says, we have found the enemy and he is us. That's our biggest enemy. Okay, now we're going to clarify today uh, the biggest enemy. And I want you to understand that is the old you. Okay, we'll get to that in just a second. And, and, and the reason why I want to bring up this point, where the sin is really coming from, because that's what James is saying, that's the context. Okay, uh, but I think that once we understand where the source is really coming from, then we could properly deal with it. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to just be convicted of sin. I want to have victory over sin, right? And Jesus has given us that. He has said, Paul said, Romans 6, we're no longer slaves to sin. We're going to see Galatians chapter 5. If we walk, live, and keep in step with the Spirit, I don't have to sin. The Spirit of God will give me the ability to say no to all sin, right? And that's what the Scripture says. But if I'm going to blame other people and certainly get to the point where blame God, you're never dealing with it. So how are you ever going to experience the victory over it? And again, why is that important? Because what's the whole point? We're going out into the world and God wants us to be positive witnesses. In this context, I'd say not just a positive joyful witness, but a positive holy witness. And if you blame other people, even if you're a born again Christian for your sin, you're never going to deal with the source and your life is going to be full of sin, even though he's, praise God, you're saved. And then what kind of a witness is that? He doesn't want that. So let's take a look at, at where this old Jew really came from. Okay, and uh, hopefully I can explain it real quick. Uh, I'm going to take a look at, this is why I drew this up here. Before, after, before the fall, after the fall of mankind, and then what happens when you get saved. Mankind is a tripart being. We're a spirit, a soul, and our body. Our spirit, of course, is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Okay? Now, when God created everything perfect, back in the garden, before Adam and Eve blew it, before they sinned, they had a spirit. We're creating God's image. Those who worship God must worship him, John 4, in spirit and in truth. We're given that spirit nature. That's why every person on the planet will continue to exist eternally because we're given an eternal nature because God is eternal. The choice is eternally in heaven or eternally in hell. Okay, is the point. But we're going to continue forever. We're creating God's image spiritually so that we can commune with him, so we can have a relationship with him. But he's also given us a soul. That's our mind, our will, our emotions, our kind of basic makeup, personality, and a body that houses the spirit and the soul so we can kind of traverse around uh, the planet. How many of you guys find that the body comes in handy when you want to get out of bed? Anybody looking forward to the new body when it's easier to get out of bed? <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, now here's what happened, unfortunately, after the fall of mankind to our internal makeup. Okay, we became spiritually dead. Okay, cut off from God, if you will. Uh, we still have that eternal part of us, but now because of the entrance of sin. And sin, in the middle of that word, is I. It's the me, myself, and I syndrome. It's the, what caused the fall of Satan. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. I will be like God. I will ascend. I will be blah, blah, blah. Right? That's at the heart of sin. So all of a sudden, this enters into our realm. Okay, before that wasn't there. But now this sin, this I thing, I will do what I want. I will, it's, it's just rebellion against God. All of a sudden, that entered into mankind's experience. So this is why things got messed up very quickly and continued to get messed up 
okay, is because man's soul, okay, now you're spiritually uh, cut off, so to speak, dead in your transgression, as Paul talks about. Uh, your only input now is from this sinful body that's tempting you to rebel, 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 rebel. Do your own thing, do your own thing, right? And mankind is reaping the benefits of that, which is not a good benefit, okay? Now, here's what happens when you get saved. The Bible says uh, in John chapter 3 that you must be born again. Born again is the Greek word anothen, and it means born from above or born from a higher place. And so when we're born from above, that God, sent, at the moment of salvation, sends his Holy Spirit to bang. And we are now spiritually alive. We're not dead anymore spiritually, okay? We're spiritually alive. And that's why when you truly become born again, God's Spirit comes and dwells in you, makes you alive spiritually. Have you noticed that after you got saved, all of a sudden, you don't know everything, but all of a sudden, hey, that Bible's starting to make sense a little bit. Uh, you, you know, but why? Because God's spirit starts to illuminate because you're born again. You, you have a desire to pray now. You have a desire to tell other people about Jesus, right? Where did that come from? That was, sin bugs you, right? Because he's the Holy Spirit. He convicts us of sin when we get out of line, right? That wasn't there before because now we're spiritually alive. And that's why, oh, now we got a relationship with God again. Yay, that's the good news. The bad news is, guess what? We still have. Now, praise God, when we go to heaven, we lose that guy. Praise God. Anybody excited about that? Okay, I said before, Johnny Erickson Tata, she's a quadriplegic in a wheelchair, been there for decades now. And people say, what are you looking forward uh, to the most when you get to heaven? You know, they're expecting her to say, oh, she's going to, you know, pole vault the pearly gates. She's going to run, you know, do all the things that she hasn't been able to do as a quadriplegic for decades. She says, I'm looking forward to getting rid of the sin nature. Wow, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? Okay, so get rid of that. Okay, praise God. But that's not what we have. Now, so that means right now, currently as a born-again Christian, uh, you got, yes, um, just like everybody else on the planet, you still got to deal with this old Jew, that rebellious old Jew, but now, praise God, at least you got an option. You got input coming from a different source. Open your Bibles very quickly to Galatians chapter 5. Paul talks about this battle that I'm trying to uh, explain to you here. Galatians chapter 5. And uh, hopefully this visual will make a little bit more sense for you. And uh, let's take a look there. The, the, between the spirit and the flesh, okay? And... Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse, uh, let's go with 16, okay? And he says this, so I say, live by the Spirit and you'll what? You'll not gratify the desires of the what? Sinful nature. So he just tells you right now, Christian, you got two different natures. Christians are the only people on the planet. We're literally, oh, this is cool. How much time have we got? Uh, in the Greek, there's uh, uh, different words for the uh, English word new in the scripture. Uh, there's uh, kainos is one of them. Uh, and, uh, but one of the Greek words that's used when it says that uh, uh, we're a new creature, a new creation, isn't new like, oh, I got a new pair of pants. It's literally a new species. And when you look at this diagram, Christians are the only one who have the spirit made alive. We're literally a new spiritual species on the planet. Nobody else has this but Christians. Okay, it's, it's really kind of cool. You can go down deep if you want. But anyway, so now he says you got two natures. You got this spirit, right? The new you. And by the way, let me belabor this point. That's the new you. That's the real you now. That's the you who loves Jesus. That's the you who wants to obey him. That's the you that's drawn to him. That's the you, the real you, the you that will continue on forever. The new created person in Jesus Christ who loves him and wants to obey him and tell other people about him. Okay, this is not you anymore. That guy died. Okay, that's the flesh. That's the sin nature as he talks about. Okay, but, but why, if this guy's dead, as the scripture says, if the old man's dead, why do we still hear the voice? Well, the visual that came to me, I'm not saying that this is like, thus saith the Lord thing, would be like, a, to use a secular analogy, uh, be like a ghost. 
Okay, a ghost, of course, first of all, as we know, this is a whole other topic. If some loved one, Aunt Vera, shows up at your bedside, I'm sorry, it's not Aunt Vera. It's a familiar spirit. The scripture is very clear. Once you go to heaven, you go to heaven. Once you go to hell, you go to hell, and there is no coming back. Okay, so if there's a familiar spirit, it's a demon uh, uh, tricking you. Okay, but by way of analogy, if the person's, you know, the, the ghost voice, you know, pops in the room, and a ghost says, you must do this evil deed. You must go down there and eat at Kentucky Fried Chicken all day today, Pastor Billy. And I sit there and I go, oh no, I have to obey this evil suggestion because that's what... No, I don't think so. It's just, a, who are you? You're, you're not even flesh and bone anymore. You're dead. I don't have to do anything you say. It's a suggestion. You got no power over me. You're dead, Right? And that's what he's saying. Listen, we still have to deal with this guy, but he's dead. I don't have to listen. All it is is just a ghost voice. It's not you. This is the real you. But see, the enemy tricks you into thinking the old you is still you. And so you feel doubly worried. Oh, how could I ever think? That didn't come from you. That's the old you, the dead you, the ghost voice. Don't obey it. You don't have to obey it. There's freedom in that when you finally realize that. Okay, because he tricks you into thinking, oh, no, that's me. No, it's not you. That's the old you. That's the battle within Okay, let's continue on. He says this. He says, now, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the nature. They are what? They're in conflict with each other so that you don't do what you want. Okay, so he tells us there's a war going on uh, that's in here. Okay, and this, so the spirit is telling you to do, hey, spend some time with God. Uh, spend some time in the word. Spend some time in godly fellowship. Worship God. Sing love songs to Jesus. Any chance you can get wherever you go. Witness to people. Tell, that's where that input's coming from. That's the new you. Why? Because that's what builds up your spirit, man. It's like a, a battle between two dogs. You got a white dog and a black dog. They're equal size and power, if you will. But which one's going to win the battle? The one you feed the most. The scripture says, listen to the spirit man. When he tells you to do these things, it's not just because I have to do it. Or that's just what Christians do. I guess I better do it. No, you're feeding your spirit man. And he comes alive and you get stronger and you become a better disciple. It's not just stuff we do. You're feeding the white dog. And this guy down here, the black dog, he's wanting some food too. And his food is coming down from the world, its own sinful rebellious desires, and spiritual warfare. Okay, and he's wanting you to rebel, uh, rebel against God. And when we rebel against God, he grows. And the point is, don't just turn the spirit on and listen and walk and live and keep in step with the spirit. And what he says, as Paul says, don't just do that and then let this guy continue to have free reign. If you really want to pack jet fuel in your walk with Jesus Christ, yes, feed this guy, but starve this critter. Now you're really taken off. Now you're really taken off. Okay, and I think sometimes Christians forget that. They don't deal with this. And this is what James is saying. Don't, don't sit there and blame sin. Understand the source, where this thing is coming from. Because once you understand the source, you can shut it off. I think a lot of Christians are busy doing prayer, Bible study, fellowship, worshiping, and witnessing. And that's great. And you do experience a benefit of that. But it's just like you got a ball and chain. It's just like, man, just dragging around. Why is it just so herky-jerky and up and down? Well, you're not starving this guy. You've got to starve him at the same time. But you'll never starve him if you blame other people. Oh, you made me do it. You're fine. You're born again, but you never experience the fullness of salvation. And, as Paul, and, and also, you don't experience the fruit. We don't have time to. But continue to read that text. He says, now if you do that and you starve this guy, if you live, walk, and keep in step with the Spirit, what do you experience? What, what's in abundance now? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, etc. Anybody want more of that? You know what to do. Feed this guy, shut this guy off. But if you're going to shut this guy off, you better acknowledge where it's coming from. It's not you. You're new now as a born-again Christian. Praise God. 
It's just a ghost voice, the old you. You don't have to obey it. But you need to understand what you're up against. And that's what he's talking about here. James said, listen, the old you is really out to get you. And listen, this is not some casual bystander. Now, when, you got, when you're looking at the in, sinful inputs into our sin nature, you know, we'll say, yeah, this world is wicked. And it's out to get us, right? We'll acknowledge that. Uh, and then we'll say, yes, the devil and demons, spiritual warfare, that does exist. They're out to get you, to steal, to kill, and destroy. We get that. But for some reason, when it comes to the sin nature or flesh that the scripture talks about, the old Jew, we kind of almost act like, at least I think at times, just like, yeah, it's just a casual bystander. The ones you really got to worry about is the world and the devil. Yeah, but you don't understand how evil this old Jew is, right? And, and we don't understand that he's out to get you. And if we can get that far, he gives four different ways in this text of how serious you better take this old you. Okay? The first one is the, the, the phrase there, evil desire. Okay, evil desire is the Greek word epithumia. And it actually is where we get our word lust from. But, but uh, uh, probably a fuller understanding of that word is it's a violent passion is what's going on there. It's a violent passion. Okay, it's just violent desire, this craving, this longing, specifically for that which is forbidden. So he doesn't just want you to sin. He's violently trying to get you to sin. <laughs> you starting to take it a little bit more serious, this old guy? Praise God, he's dead, right? But you need to understand that he's dead, that he's still going to, you're going to hear that voice, but that's not you, number one, and two, you don't have to obey. But he is out to get you. That's how violent he is. Now, he uses another term there, and that is the word there. He uses not just uh, 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 with the passion. It says they're dragged away. Dragged away is the Greek word uh, ex elko, okay? Ex elko, and it literally means this, to draw out, to lure, lure forth in hunting. All right, so he says, this guy is not just out to get you. He's violently passionate about trying to get you and to bring you down and to get you to do that which is forbidden of God. But he, now he literally hunts you down. Okay, it's, it's a hunting term. Uh, ex elko is a hunting term used to describe how, if you will, the old you will literally set traps for you. He'll lure you. Like if you could picture some guys out there I don't know, I guess hunting ducks. You know, what do they do to get the ducks to come in? Quack, 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 quack. Right? You guys like that one? I don't, that one didn't turn out too bad. Much better than some of the other ones I come up with. And, uh, but you're right, they're just quacking, right? And what, they, what does it do? The ducks, you're just doing your own thing, man. You don't have to obey that. Ah, that's a fake duck. That's not me. That's not my family. I'm just going to keep on flying. But unfortunately, what do they do? Hey, that was, hey, Bob. That sounds like Bob. I, let's stop and see how Bob's doing today. Right? That's what he says this old guy does. He's out there with this, if you will, sinful duck call. Bobby, 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 come over here, do this. Right? That sounded like uh, James Cagney or something. Yeah, I don't know who that was. But anyway, so, <laughs> anyway, right? And that's what he does. And right, you're going like, I'm not listening to you. If I know what you're up against. You get, you're violently against me trying to get me to sin. You got, here comes one of your duck calls or sin calls, whatever you want to call I don't have to listen to you. I'm just going to keep moving forward. Oh, no. What was that? That sounds pretty good. And that's what James says. He says, and when you give in to this thing, it gives birth to what? Sin, death, death. It's like when the, 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 the duck turns his head and starts to fly down, bang, you're dead. He uses the same term. This guy's violently against you. And he's there to, he's hunting against you. And he's using these duck calls against you to take a shotgun and blow you away. 
You see how serious this is? Do you see what we're up against? Right? I know, I'll just blame other people for that. Do you see how spiritually foolish that would be? And that would keep you stuck in your sin when you don't have to live that way anymore? Crazy, okay? Now it gets even worse. The next word there is enticed. Okay, enticed, and it's the Greek word deliazo. Let's say that. Doesn't it sound like an Italian ice cream? You get the Phoenician, you have a good cup of deliazo. Yeah, whatever. Sounds like spaghetti. But anyway, so really what's going on here is it means to bait, to catch with bait. This isn't my chance, guys. So here he is. This guy's out to violently catch you. And violently, I'm going to get you to do that which is forbidden. And he's going to hunt you down with a sinful duck call. And so now he uses not just a hunting term. He now uses a fishing term. Specifically, this guy's out there to bait you. If, it's, if you don't give in to the crank, crank, the sinful duck call, he's going to lure something in front of you. Ooh, don't you want to bite? Doesn't this look good? Right? He's not just stopping from one technique. He's not just out to get you. He's actively trying to hunt you down or to get you to take some lure, some fish bait to ensnare you uh, and drag you away. Drag you away onto the shore. As we all know, when you get a fish on the shore, it goes, oh, thank you. I've been looking to get out on the shore for a long time. Oh, this air is so beautiful. What's the fish do? And it's dead. What's James say? When you give in to it, it gives birth to death. It's not just he's out to get you. It's not just a hunting term. It's not just a fishing term. But when he hunts you down and you give in to it, when you take the fish bait lure, what's the ultimate end? You're dead. You're dead. One guy says this. He said, the problem is this. Every person is tempted when the hook is baited or the trap is baited and we're lured away, compelled away, dragged away, beguiled away by our own old man. Okay? He says, just think about that imagery. The reason animals are baited and trapped and fish are baited and trapped is because the bait looks good. It looks attractive. It looks inviting. All they see is the bait. And instead, though, of the anticipated uh, pleasure, oh, this is going to be awesome. When they grab the bait comes the pain of capture and death, and so it is with temptation. It dangles out there. It looks promising. Sounds great. This is going to be some tasty indulgence. It's going to be a satisfying uh, morsel. It promises supposed greater pleasure and fun and lures you away and suckers the victim into its trap and kills him. And he says this, now, what does that? Whose fault is that? Who, who, what pulls us so strongly to the bait? Is it God? No. Is it Satan? No. Satan might bait the hook, the world might bait the hook, demons might bait the hook, men might bait the hook, but the only reason why the hook and the bait works in the first place is because what? There's an old Jew dragging you away, hunting you down, enticing you. Yeah, take it. Bang. But again, praise God, that's not you anymore. You don't have to give in to that. You don't have to do that. Okay? The point is, James, as I think, is he's saying this. You need to own up to this where it's really coming from so you can experience victory over it. Hello? Because why? What's the whole point? When you go out in the world, I want you to be not just a joyful example of Jesus through your trials, but through temptation. I want you to demonstrate to people that there is hope. You no longer have to be a slave to sin. And that as I am holy, you be holy. And you can be not just a joyful representation of Jesus. You can be a holy representation of Jesus. So don't blame other people. Understand its source. The whole point is this. When you hear that ghost voice, when you hear that old man, stay away from it. Don't play with it. Don't take it uh, uh, as an idle thing. This is serious stuff. I like this analogy. This is a true story. A zookeeper, he wrote this. He said, 
Raccoons go through a glandular change at about 24 months. And after that, after that they often attack their owners. Since a 30-pound raccoon can be equal to a 100-pound dog in a scrap, he said, I felt compelled to mention the change coming to a pet raccoon owned by a young friend of mine named Julie. And so she listened politely as I explained the coming danger. He said, I'll never forget her answer. She said, ah, it'll be different for me. And then she smiled and she added, but Bandit, you know the pet raccoon, she named it Pet. Bandit wouldn't hurt me, he, he just wouldn't. And he said this, three months later, Julie underwent plastic surgery for facial lacerations when her adult raccoon attacked her for no apparent reason. Bandit was obviously then released back into the wild. And he says this, sin too often comes dressed in an adorable disguise. Oh, look how cute it is. Get a little mask on. Ooh. Right? Have you seen, uh, there was a, a commercial on this lady who, I guess is for eyeglasses. She can't see very well. And tonight she opens up that back slider. And she goes, oh, come here, kitty, 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 kitty. Oh, come on in here. It's a raccoon. And next thing you know, it's sleeping on the bed with her. It's like, why are you crazy? Right? Okay, and that's what he's saying. Sin often comes addressed in adorable disguise. And as we play with it, it's easy to say, just like Julie, it'll be different for me. It won't be that bad. It won't hurt me. But he says, anyone who's honest knows from experience that the price of a sinful life always leads to deep wounds and many scars. And how many times is God performing plastic surgery on us? Because we didn't do what he says. Get away from that thing, man. You need to take this serious. Don't sit there and blame other people. That's a trap. Certainly don't blame God. That's blasphemy. You've got to understand who you're up against so that you can apply the scriptural principle to have victory over it, right? But you've got to take this serious, okay? And, and that's the issue. We've got to get rid of the raccoon, okay? And, and, and this is what, I, just a couple quick examples. Hebrews chapter 11. This needs to be our mentality. Verse 24 through 25. It says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused Keyword there, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Isn't that the sellout? Oh, this is going to be awesome. Sin is pleasurable. See, you're missing out. How many times do you hear from the younger generation, or maybe you said this before you got saved, you know what, yeah, you're probably right. I probably do need to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Uh, yeah, I would like to go to heaven through him, and he's the only way. I agree with you. I got this mental ascent going on. I, I think you're right. But you know what? I, 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 not right now. I think I just need to, you know, experience life a little bit more. And what are they, in essence, are they saying? If I come to Jesus, somehow the world and sin is better. What? As we've talked before many times in our discipleship studies, name one command in the scripture that's bad for us. None. They're all for our good. You want to have a blessed life? You want to have a fantastic, you want to have the best possible life this side of heaven? Obey Jesus because every single command is for our good. But the enemy so twisted and thinking that, no, if you listen to these guys, then you're going to have it good. How many times do we have to walk that path before we go, uh, I guess not, right? And that's what Moses, he said, no, I refuse. I refuse to enjoy for a short time the pleasures of sin. I, I, I'm going to, no, I'm not going to do it. I refuse. And I think that's what James is saying. And then again, listen, it's common sense. He said, well, maybe I will, maybe I won't. Or is it a big deal, is it not? Okay, well, maybe today I'll listen to this. Or yeah, I just kind of had a bad day. He's like, don't you understand what you're doing? It's called you reap what you sow. Paul says this in Galatians 6. After chapter 5, we saw. Here's what he says next, 7 and 8. Don't be deceived. 
We see this with James after this passage. And the next thing he says, don't be deceived. In fact, Lord willing, next week we'll get into that. It literally is an order, stop being deceived. As if you guys are doing this now, knock it off. It's not just don't as if it's a future possibility. It's you're doing it now, stop it. Okay, don't be deceived. Paul says, God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will reap. For if one man sows to his flesh, the old Jew, if you want to listen to him and obey him, uh, from that you're going to reap corruption. As James says, death. Okay, but the one who sows to the spirit will reap uh, eternal life. Okay, is what he's talking there. So, so don't blame your sin, own up to the sin so you can understand the process, understand who the real enemy is, what you're up against, okay? Because the issue is he's really not just out there to mess you up, he is really out there to destroy you. The issue is, and this is what James says in the text, is it's all about what? Death. It's going, this guy listening to this input is going to bring about death, right? That, anyway, so let's get in that text. He says this, verse 15. Then after desires conceived, okay, so we know where it's coming from now. After desires conceived, it gives birth to what? Sin. And when sin is full grown, it gives birth to pleasure. It's awesome. What a fantastic choice you just made. Wrong answer. Wrong translation. Slap that thing down. That must be the purple covered Barney version. Don't listen to that. Uh, no, it gets forth to death. Okay, birth. Now, this is cool, man. This isn't my chance. This is what I said. Four things are screaming out of the text this morning. I was excited about this. The word there, birth, is the Greek word sulumbano. Now, let's say that. Now, that sounds like an Italian car, doesn't it? I'm driving a sulumbano. Yeah, whatever. I want to try it, Bobby. And it literally means to conceive, to give birth. Listen to this. To become pregnant. Now listen to what he says there. James shifts now. He's not only saying this guy is violently out to get you, okay, the old you, Ugh, violent passion, epithumia, right? He's not only hunting you down with his sinful duck calls, come over here, right? And he's not only now fishing you with this bait, oh, it looks so great, just to drag you away to the shore. He says now when you give into that, you're going to become pregnant. Okay, and what you're going to give birth to is something you don't want to give birth to. Now, this is very interesting terminology that's used here. He's, he says you're pregnant. Now, we all know that the moment that you get pregnant, ladies, that in at least probably 24 hours, here comes the baby. No, there's a gestation process, nine months, right? And sometimes sin, when you do it, you have the immediate, unfortunate, you reap what you sow effect. Sometimes you conceived, it's not there yet, and that's part of the illusion, isn't it? Oh, I didn't see, it didn't hurt me, wasn't that bad. Keep it up. The birth's coming. Every time you sin, you just conceive. Sometimes sooner than later, but you just conceived. And every single birth that you have from that event is going to conceive something deadly. I don't remember the show. I forget the name of it. I actually had to look it up this week, and then I forgot it again, unfortunately. But maybe that's what God wants to do. But there was this, it, what visually went through my mind, to sinfully conceive, to give forth to death. You don't want to mess with this thing. Uh, there was this like old 70s show, which I'm not, a, I don't watch horror shows. I don't recommend it. And not even back before I was saved. I never liked them. But there was a show out there. It was like if some lady gave birth to this baby or something. And it had like giant claws on it. <laughs> and it killed people or whatever. I don't know what it was. I don't know why. Okay, whatever it was. But I'm not, again, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not recommending that, whatever. But by way of a visual, okay, this is what he's saying. Listen, when you give into this uh, uh, hunting and this fishing, this guy who's violently out to give you, you're going you're gonna to have a baby. You're going to have a baby, little baby. But James says in this text, this little baby has... God, this is going to kill you. Right? My advice would be, 
Not only put the baby down and run. <laughs> you always see the people in the shows like that. Oh, I can, I can help it along. Maybe I'll clip the nails and take it to a dentist and get rid of the things. No, 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 no. Run. Maybe I'll feed it milk. And it'll change later and grow up to be a nice baby. No, run. Get out of the house. Don't play with it. Run. Okay? But even a step further, hey, uh, why'd you even give birth to it in the first place? How, how about we back up the train? And how many times do we deal with the deadly monster baby? And we might run, and praise God at least for that. But wouldn't it be easier if you didn't conceive the thing in the first place? And that's what James is saying. But listen, if all you do is blame other people, and you actually get to the point where you now blame God, you're just going to keep giving uh, forth to these evil baby monsters. Right? You can only chuck so many in the basement, they're going to keep coming out. Now that's a visual, isn't it? Okay, <laughs> Have people over, hey, he's come on over for fellowship. What's that noise? Oh, nothing. Sounds like he's coming from the basement. There's a hundred of them down there. No, nothing. There must be the dogs. It's the raccoon. No, excuse me. Okay, that's what he's going. And that's what he's saying. Listen, it, this is all that thing can do. Okay, this baby, you can't change the thing. It's going to give birth to death. Okay, just like the fish bait that looks good with the fish on the hook and then it gets you, it ensnares you, just like the salmon or the duck call looks great to the bear or to the duck and then they're hunting you down. It's all to catch you, to ensnare you, to blow you away with the shotgun. So it is with sin. So it is with this old man. Anybody from what we just went through in this study now taking it a little bit more serious, hopefully just as serious as the other two sinful inputs, this wicked world system and spiritual warfare? Do you see what he's saying? Extremely graphic. We've got to understand this, okay? It's going to bring forth death. I'm going to close with this analogy. Because again, I think James is saying, just leave the thing alone. This is all it's going to do. Anytime you listen to any of these three inputs, certainly the old you, and that's the context, it comes from your own evil desires, the old you. This is all it can do, is give forth and birth to death. That's all it's going to do. Don't rationalize it. Don't blame it. Don't make excuses for it. Okay? Don't point your finger somewhere else. Don't act like it's not a big deal. Don't not take this serious. Every time you mess with this thing, it's destined to kill you. Okay? Let's take a look. There's a, a scorpion asked a beaver to take him across the river on his back. And the beaver says, are you insane? While I'm swimming, you're going to sting me, and then I'm going to drown. And the scorpion says, oh, come now. Why would I sting you? Then I would drown too. Come on, be logical. And the beaver said, well, that makes sense. All right, hop on my back and, and off we'll go. So the scorpion climbed on the beaver's back, but about halfway across the river, he gave the poor trusting beaver a mighty sting. And they both uh, sank to the bottom. And the beaver asked, why did you do such a wicked thing? You, you said yourself there would be no logic in your stinging me. Why then did you do it? And the scorpion side says, logic has nothing to do with it. It's just my nature. That's what James is saying. This is all this guy can do. It's not going to like, I won't get, this baby won't be as bad as the last one. Or no, maybe this baby that it conceives will be a good one. It's the only thing it could do is to sting you. To bring forth death. Poison you. So don't mess with it. That's all this old man can do. This is inherited from the fall of mankind. It's been kicking around through mankind's existence for the last 6,000 so years. Don't mess with this thing. Don't blame other people for it. Don't ever get so blasphemy that you're going to blame it on God. But you need to own up to it and understand where it's coming from. 
Okay, so the good news is you can understand what you're up against and you could uh, apply the resources, the spiritual resources we have from Jesus Christ so we can have victory over the thing. And that's what James is saying. Once a raccoon, always a raccoon. Okay, once an evil baby monster, always an evil baby monster. Once a scorpion, always a scorpion. That's all it's going to do. Stay away from it. Don't mess with it. And he says this, and by the way, stop being deceived. Okay, we'll get to that, Lord willing, next time. Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die... And it's coming for each one of us. We're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so, out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law, or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, You shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly. The Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included, and that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. 
Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.